Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Pilato, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And now it's time for me to welcome on my guest, Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to see you again. Well, Congressman Cloud, uh, before we get started, I want to uh, tell us a little bit about your district. It's pretty large. You, you, you have Corpus, San Antonio, uh, Austin, but I'm not sure where you end between Katy and Houston. Do you cover all of that as well? No, no, Corpus Christi is the largest city in our district. And then we have the like big rural swath uh, that goes almost to Austin and San Antonio and then almost to, to Houston. Uh, in the redistricting come in January. Right now we have 13 counties. We'll have 14 uh, in January and we'll be losing, unfortunately, Matagorda and Wharton counties, but we'll be picking up DeWitt, Goliad and B counties as well. Uh, and then, you know, we go all the way up to Caldwell and Bastrop counties uh, and, and everything in between, basically. <laughs> so Noises County, which has Corpus Christi, is the southernmost uh, part of our district. And so we have the coastland and then it kind of hits a little towards central uh, Texas. Got it. Yeah. Well, most of those new districts are going to be also oil rich <laughs> counties. So, <laughs> definitely, um, definitely, yeah. We look forward to having you on the show quite often then to, to give us an update. Um, yeah. So let's, I want to start off with the Biden administration from day one canceled the Keystone Pipeline. And it almost seems as though there has just been an, an a onslaught of uh, heavy handed regulations. Uh, the leases and federal lands uh, have been a problem too. Uh, trying to, uh, you know, bring in a lot of uh, regulation through the EPA uh, and other uh, agencies. So I want to start off with, tell us about any uh, legislation specifically that you might be sponsoring or co-sponsoring pertaining to lease sales and federal lands. But would you start with just kind of giving us a little bit of history about why is this so problematic with this administration? Sure, it, it is really problematic that on day one, there was this immediate assault on American energy, uh, especially when the U.S. does this cleaner, better, more responsibly than the rest of the world. And uh, so it, it's really a backwards approach, even to what they quote, their quote stated, quote, climate goals are. It's really the wrong approach. The, the best thing that we can do for, for all the, quote, environmental goals that have been stated is for the U.S. energy industry uh, and our products to take up more of the world market. And instead, what we've seen is a retraction uh, in so many ways of U.S. production. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, the burdens being placed on the oil and gas industry here. Uh, but we've seen not only that, but we've seen, you know, we saw the pipeline shut down here, but we saw the Biden administration kind of advocating for pipelines from Russia to, to Europe. And, you know, they're okay with coal plants being built in China and they're okay with, you know, other countries that, you know, have rogue uh, governments or dictatorships or, you know, certainly not 
the free America that we know, uh, the free economy here, uh, he's willing to go to them and ask them to produce more, but won't let the American worker. Uh, and it's, 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 it just really pulls back the veil, so to speak, on what the intentions might really be about, that this isn't really about the climate, this is really about control uh, and, and whatever their designs are for uh, uh, global uh, and those kind of things. Um, and, and, you know, it's sad to see because the American taxpayer is paying for all this. Well, the, the lease uh, situation on federal lands, I mean, just to kind of show the difference between the administrations, the Obama administration was continuing to hold these leases on federal lands. The Biden administration has come in and basically there has been none. And that is also furthered the problem of why we are seeing higher prices at the pump and it's just, you know, made everything worse on the planet. Um, you recently uh, tweeted that instead of unleash unleashing Americans' energy production, the Biden administration would rather beg with no success, the Saudi government to wait until the midterms before decreasing oil production. Our national security and prosperity as a nation shouldn't be politicized or political. I elaborate a little bit more on that. I mean, it was pretty clear, but there does seem to be a problem. We have plenty here. What What is the right. problem? Right. We have all we need to produce the energy we need and to be an asset to the world, we could be providing uh, more energy to Europe and helping to ease the burden that's going on there. Uh, and, and then to see instead of, uh, you know, the White House coming to the American worker and saying, hey, help us out here, where we go to Saudi Arabia and, you know, ask them for favors. And, and you know, even when you look at the strategic oil reserve and what they're doing with that, the fact that they're trying to time this and kind of artificially keep gas prices low. Uh, and in spite of that, it's still higher than it has been. Uh, right. And so, um, or at least when they came into office, uh, it, you know, and so uh, they're doing everything they can to kind of extend the time to keep gas prices artificially low is, until they get to the election. Uh, and, and hopefully they are, you know, in their mind, able to kind of trick some some Americans into, you know, supporting them because maybe the the burdens eased a little bit. But you know, I just don't think American people are going to buy that. You know, they come out and have press releases like, you know, inflation's at zero percent when everybody knows it's not. And you know, they'll try to put a, a spin on any sort of little shred of able to manipulate some report or something into something that's other than devastating economic news, but the American people are getting their news when they go to the gas pump. They're getting their economic news when they go to the grocery store. They're not, they're not reading a report <laughs> that's coming across their desk. They're just going shopping uh, and having to make the tough choices between food or fuel or medicine, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Uh, you think about people who's, you know, on a fixed income and they've saved up their whole life uh, in a, in a sense. And, thinking they had saved enough and worked hard and diligently. And, and now that savings isn't worth what it used to be because of the economic uh, policies much uh, rested upon the energy policies of this administration. Right. 
Well, and I'm glad that you're one of the congressmen that are really calling out these four policies pertaining to energy. I'm not uh, trying to advocate one way or another, Republican or Democrat. I really am kind of an independent that looks and, and goes to the vote or go to the voting booth and vote for who I believe. But energy mm -hmm. policy is so important to us all. And you're right, Congressman, mm -hmm. that um, as we go and we pay more at the grocery store and the pumps, it's this is all by design. So um, I'm going to, you know, hit one more zinger on the Democrats, which is in a discussion with the uh, House Oversight Democrats, there was a comparison made between oil and gas industry and drug cartels. Um, yes. so thank you for pointing that out. I'd like for you to tell mm -hmm. us what specifically happened, because it's kind of this is we're providing energy. They're providing energy, oil and gas companies for the, for the United States citizen, as well as the world. Look around and look what's happening mm -hmm. to Europe. And, and we have these Democrats out there uh, comparing them to to drug cartels. I, I'd like for yeah. your thoughts on that. Yeah, that was one of many hearings that uh, we've had in the Oversight Committee where they've kind of tried to attack the uh, oil and gas industry. And in that particular hearing, the, the chairwoman had made a comment calling oil and gas companies cartels here in the United States. And, you know, uh, I, along with a few other members, didn't let her get away with kind of that free hit at the oil and gas industry because, you know, I, I've been to the border. I've seen what's happening there. Uh, what 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 is happening at that there is, is horrific. And the fact that, you know, there's policies that have been put in place that are aiding and abetting cartels uh, in so many horrific acts uh, against the migrants, but then also what they're doing in, in communities to wreak havoc, what they're doing in these Central and South American countries. We have a, 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 a hundred thousand fentanyl poisonings uh, in the United States uh, in the last year or so. And, you know, it's devastating. And then to compare that to the oil and gas worker who's coming out and putting in a good day's work, a hard day's work for a decent pay to support their families and to make life work, uh, who stand at the ready to help, uh, it, it's just uh, incredulous. And, and then, you know, when America is producing energy, we provide, a, uh, we provide needed energy to the rest of the world, which means people are getting their, their homes fueled, uh, they can have heat, they can have fuel for, for cooking and all these sorts of things. Like in Europe right now, they're literally gone back to chopping down trees to heat their homes. Uh, in, in the Ukraine, and we can talk about that conflict there, uh, they're looking at burning uh, corn uh, that, to, to heat because of the fuel crunch. Uh, and so these policies, you know, we, we saw what, how energy independence, energy dominance allowed us to have strength at the negotiating table from an economic and a trade perspective, but also from a national security and geopolitical uh, spectrum. We had three historic Middle East peace deals uh, in spite of all in, in light and in addition to all the other, uh, you know, trade deals that, that were made because of our strength at the negotiating table. And then we see the reverse of that when we, when we try to reverse these, uh, we take uh, basically American energy off the table uh, and make people reliant to these rogue, uh, the, these nations that don't have the world's best interest in mind. Uh, and it, it, it's devastating for people uh, at, at the human level, at the very human level of trying to heat your home and make it through winter. Well, I mean, I think the importance of our show and you coming on and talking to the American people as an elected official, 
that is standing up for the energy policy. It's, it's, it, it is a matter of national security, but look at Europe and, and we continue to have these radical energy policies um, in the name of climate change. Um, you know, Congressman Cloud, there's 35 LNG vessels sitting off of Spain and around mm -hmm. the Mediterranean. They can't find a port and yet Europe oh. <laughs> can't get enough energy. I mean, the, why? It was kind of self-inflicted. And mm -hmm. so, as you know, we see these policies rolling out from this administration. November can't come fast enough. We're going to mm -hmm. take a quick break. When we come back, I want to stay a little bit on uh, Washington, D.C., but then I also want to uh, bring us back to your largest uh, constituent base, which is Corpus Christi. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to a New World Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, let's switch gears and talk about one of your uh, largest districts you mentioned is Corpus Christi. And Corpus Christi has definitely been in change mode for quite some time uh, as the, we see the Port of Corpus Christi really stepping into their role as being a, a powerhouse for energy, along with a lot of diversification too. A very, very diversified port, but they have a really strong handle or have a lot of tonnage coming out uh, pertaining to uh, natural uh, LNG and, and of course energy. Um, I want an update on the Port of Corpus Christi. They are in the final round of funding for their channel improvement project. Um, mm -hmm. And are you assisting them with that? Because uh, I want you to the problem has been ongoing for quite some time, and yet it's a very, very important port to the United States and the world. Yeah. Where are we at with funding? Uh, well, it, it's it's going well uh, right now. Of course, we got the initial tranche of funding uh, under President Trump. And that was an exciting time to kind of see that project put on the federal map. And then our goals has been to kind of keep the funding going to kind of keep pace with, with the dredging, uh, so to speak. And so, you know, I could look out my window and actually see <laughs> dredges out there uh, in the channel working. And so that's exciting to see that happening to get the deepening and widening needed to, to you know, expand our, our capacity here. Um, but there's still uh, roughly 173 million dollars left on the federal side of that project to be funded. Uh, the good news is, is that it's passed out of committee at this point and just waiting for a bill to come to the floor. Uh, and so that would be the final tranche of, of funding to, to allow them to put those contracts out and, and get that slated to completion. Um, and, and so very, very exciting, especially in light of, you know, the first presbud under the Biden administration was very anti-oil and, and gas uh, and, and specifically even had lines in there that basically, you know, said 
anything that might happen to accidentally help oil and gas. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's actually not as much as you might think. Uh, to they, we're not going to fund any project that that might help uh, oil and gas be produced, uh, even in a peripheral way. And and so uh, it's nice to see that we've moved past that, and people are finally starting to see the need that uh, that we're still going to have oil and gas here for a while. It's still very vital to not only our economy here at home and people's livelihoods and lives, uh, but very much needed around the world. Right. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder when the environmentalists, environmentalists figure out that they accidentally funded ports that are vital, but it's <laughs> that's good news. Right. Uh, and you know, Congressman Cloud, we're actually here at the American Association of Port Authorities um, covering this and, and seeing how really important all the ports are to um, the United States and the world. They're, they're from all over the world. And these ports, you know, we got a glimpse at Christmas time when, when we figured out we couldn't get uh, basic necessities on our, on our uh, grocery shelves. Uh, toys weren't coming uh, from Santa Claus, potentially, and it woke up the American people. So it's good to see that the ports are alive, their association is alive, and that you have a handle on it. Let me grab, let me ask one more question. Community project funding programs. Mm -hmm. Now, other elected officials are sponsoring money for that too. Um, and I guess I wanna ask you, where will you be looking to support any funds going to the Port of Corpus Christi or any, uh, or any other ports that might be in your district? Yeah, we were looking at that and, it, you know, community project funds is also known as earmarks. And I have to say, just to start off, I've, I've had a, a real concern about how earmarks have been used in the past uh, and, and not, you know, in an ideal world, all funding would be designated by Congress. So from a constitutional perspective, I don't, I don't have an issue with it in the sense that Congress should direct every single dollar as opposed to send it to the executive branch and kind of have to beg for uh, beg for funds back in a sense. Um, but in the past, we had seen uh, that not handled the best uh, in a sense. And we remember, you know, bridges to nowhere. Yeah, and <laughs> a lot of uh, and so some parameters were put on it and bringing it back. I thought it should have been even more parameters put on it in the past. And so, you know, we were looking at, at ways to get it funded. And really in the first round of that kind of funding, uh, what was being approved, and we were in constant communication. We had a few projects slated like that. We had been working with the port to look at what could it be and if that was a way at the time. You know, at the time we hadn't gotten that last tranche of funding through uh through the committee process yet. And so we were looking at, you know, if this would be a good avenue. And in that first round uh, of, it was, it really, the, those kind of projects really weren't being approved. Those big infrastructure projects weren't really where the, the, the committee was allocating. It was more, it, it was more like one to $5 million projects for, for parks, uh, you know, and, and, you know, small town projects projects. Uh, we had looked through that list several times and been in communication. It just really wasn't going to be a fit that year. Uh, but it's something that we've kind of kept open. Again, I, I, I get nervous about the process of it, but I'm very committed to making sure we have a constitutional process and that anything that we would be considering from our office would follow the constitutional guidelines of which the Port of Corpus Christi and other ports and infrastructure needs would certainly fit within constitutional spending. Uh, so, you know, we've been we've been looking at that and continue to look at that for future options. 
Well, I can imagine that you, you probably wouldn't want your name attached to something of a bridge that went nowhere, <laughs> but <laughs> it could also be where they're going to give out uh, these community project funds. Um, and the, mm -hmm. I don't know, the port is just so vital, especially the port. Oh, of yeah. Houston. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Freeport, these ports are really pushing out a lot of energy. So I can see where we the team actually, and I actually held up the ports as the prime example of, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, really excited about how this has been abused in the past, but I can say that ports are a definite constitutional use. So what, what are, what are projects that would be of, of definitely constitutional appropriate spending, uh, those kind of things. And, and, you know, when you look at our constitution, infrastructure is, is important. The military is important, uh, supporting, you know, our government judicial system and those kind of things are certainly all within uh, within what's uh, appropriate. Um, and, and so, you know, again, we were looking at those kind of things and in that particular instance in, in this, in the cycle so far, it hadn't been, the opportunity wasn't there with how the committees were handling that, you know, it was very fresh, very new that it would come back. Uh, and so we're being interested to see how it develops, especially as is expected, the house may flip. Let's take a quick break. When we return, I want to get back on the topic of DC, uh, as yeah. well as some things you're working on. You're listening yeah. to another radio show and we'll be right back. Hey, when you're in business, you have to make a lot of tough choices. So let's talk about an easy one, your workers' comp coverage. If you're a propane or butane dealer or operator, you need to join the Lone Star Energy Safety Group through Texas Mutual Insurance Company. As a member, you'll automatically get a discount on your premium, plus you can earn double dividends that will go straight into your pocket. It's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Find out more at TexasMutual.com slash Lone Star Energy. We're back. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Congressman Michael Cloud of the 27th District. Congressman Cloud, we've talked a lot about energy, <clears throat> oil and gas, and um, and thank you for helping us understand uh, you know how important oil and gas is, and that it's not going away. But we do care about the environment. But it has to be done in a transitional type way, in a safe manner. Uh, the world is not ready to get off oil and gas. And and, and you mentioned earlier that these other countries that are producing it, they don't have uh, environmental standards the way the United States does. And all we're seeing is higher prices at the pump. Um, and, uh, and we're not accomplishing, I think, what these environmentalists, all these environmental groups wanted uh, by having exactly. the country produces. But let's switch gears a little bit and talk about in August, uh, you introduced an Aerospace Clearinghouse Enhancement Act the AC, uh, the ACE Act. The act mm. is supposed to protect military bases from encroaching wind farms, along with foreign investments from China. Um, that the that basically China is funding these. So, first question is, uh, it, I did hear this in a lot of media reports. This is real that China is buying up land around our military bases and specifically for wind farms. And I know somebody's listening and is going to say, "Well, what's wrong with that?" Well, you tell <laughs> us what you think is going on there, Congressman Sure. Well, there's a couple issues here. One, China's buying up a lot of our farmland, 
and so that should be of a concern to anyone because our food supply is a national security issue. Uh, we've got to keep an homegrown uh, food supply. If nothing, if we haven't learned anything over the last couple of years about how important supply chains are, we do not want to be dependent on other nations for food supply. And, and this, uh, along with our energy industry, it's, it's much the similar story that our U.S. ag worker is producing much more responsibly, much more resourcefully. We constantly see inputs go, uh, or in the inputs go down with the outputs going up, the, the yields being much higher. Uh, and so the American ag worker does this better than the rest of the world. And so, you know, we need more of that, not less of that. Uh, and so we don't want, just on its own merits, we don't want China buying a farmland, but we noticed they were buying a farmland near military bases and then building windmills on it. And I mean, anyone should be concerned uh, about China owning land near a military base, certainly about China owning land near a military base in which they're building a, a tower with technology in it. Um, and then, you know, right here in Corpus Christi, we have, uh, it's where a number of our Navy pilots are trained. Uh, and those windmills do affect radar, they do affect flight paths, they do affect these sorts of things. And then so uh, what we were looking to do is to make sure that, that the military national security uh, considerations are come into play and are considered before we allow uh, that kind of thing to happen near a military base. Uh, and, and so that was the purpose of our ACE Act, uh, so to speak. And, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the ways we're looking to, to make sure the national security of our, our country is protected, but it certainly overlaps with energy and also our, our food supply considerations as well. And thank you for, for doing that, because I just want to remind everyone, if you remember when we had COVID at the beginning, uh, we, we realized very quickly that almost everything we needed for this pandemic was being produced and manufactured in China. And when we started to say that, they were basically not happy about it and kind of telling us, we're not going to send you masks. Uh, they create a pharmaceutical medication, all kinds of stuff is being created in China. So you're absolutely right that there is a problem with China period in what we should be uh, allowing them to, to purchase or buy or be involved in the United States. So I'm glad Congressman that you're actually seeing and, and putting pieces of legislation to try to protect the United States. Um, because uh, you know, we saw the difference between the Trump administration and the Biden administration, and Trump always spoke about China, 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 China. Right, right. The Biden administration seems to be fine with China, even though we saw what happened when the pandemic uh, was unleashed on the world, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just leave it there. Let's take a quick break. Mm -hmm. When we return, I want to talk about your di uh, Divest Act as well. You're mm -hmm. listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188. 
210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. We're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Congressman Michael Cloud of the 27th District. Um, Congressman Cloud, let's switch gears, but I want to stay in uh, Washington, D.C. You know, you were elected uh, on a, uh, a special election, and uh, I remember that. Uh, I remember you also getting on uh, Air Force One with President Trump when you were a freshman. You've done so much in such a short period of time of amazing work. And it's good to see that your conservative values, you're taking them from Texas and you're bringing them to DC. And some of these acts that you are, are pieces of legislation that you're putting together. I just want to say thank you. You, you are one of, uh, you're a great congressman representing your district. Um, tell us about, this is a little off our beaten path, but it's kind of important to me. Recently, you uh, shared that you're going to attempt to instate the Di uh, Divest Act, uh, which would ban senior federal employees and their spouses from owning uh, and trading stocks. Tell us why you're producing yeah. it, what's your concern, and, and tell us a little bit about this whole uh, reason why you needed to do this, or you felt you needed to put this piece of legislation in play. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of attention toward the need to uh, put limits on on congressmen uh, and women trading stocks uh, and, and to restrict that. And, you know, I'm certainly for that. And I've co-sponsored a couple of bills that have, would have to do that. This is all about restoring the American people's trust in, in, in our government. And so I'm for that. But when we were looking at the landscape of things, a lot of the, the decisions that may, are made by our government that affect the American people are actually being made by the bureaucracy. Uh, and so you can just think through COVID the last couple of years, how many decisions were made that the American people had to live with that were based met either medical decisions uh, or, or, you know, even military decisions and systems that are being done, you know, being uh, advocated for by the Pentagon. Uh, you know, they were kind of getting no attention placed to them. Meanwhile, a number of those officials who are making decisions had stocks related to what they were overseeing um, in some cases would trade right before either you know regulations were put on a certain industry or regulations lifted from a certain industry uh, and it, it's very troubling to see that kind of thing happening and so our, our bill was meant to make sure that the executive branch is held to that high standard as well and uh, and we're talking you know senior level executive members. we're not talking about your local post office worker who you know uh, isn't making those kind of decisions but senior level uh, executive branch members need to be held to that kind of sort of scrutiny as well to make sure that, you know, weapon systems that those decisions are being made not based on somebody's stock portfolio or desire to get on the board of a major contractor after they retire, but that they're being made based on, you know, what's really in the strategic best interest of national security. And when it comes to medicines and foods and those kind of things, same sort of thing, we need to make sure that, you know, we're approving those items that 
are really in the best interest, not because somebody's stock portfolio is going to be benefited by a certain drug being approved and the like. And, you know, since we've introduced that bill, the Wall Street Journal has, has done, they did an article uh, where they did a pretty in-depth study uh, of the, the most in-depth study that we know so far of, of the executive branch and their stock portfolios. And they found out some crazy things like Department of Defense officials had uh, stock holdings in Chinese companies, <laughs> you know, and you're thinking, and most Americans are kind of like, really? Like, you should be removed from office for doing that. Um, not, you know, and, and so... Uh, the fact that they were permitted to do that and, you know, there's supposed ethics rules, but the ethics rules would continue to be waived and, you know, not really paid attention to or adhered to. And, uh, you know, so, uh, so our bill would clamp down on that and make sure that, that members, you know, executive level members of the executive branch and their spouse wouldn't be able to participate in that kind of trading. Well, while it's a little different, uh, the one that comes to mind is uh, Nancy Pelosi and her husband right. consistently right. seem to be able to, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to make any claims, but it always seems <laughs> but like they know. It's a lot of news and a lot of attention, and we need to make sure that, that we clamp down that uh, in Congress, but we need to make sure we clamp down that on everywhere in government where that could affect the American people. Agreed. Let's um, let's talk about the uh the Biden administration, um, we now, according to what media you read, we're in a recession. Um, and obviously, uh, the Biden administration's economic policies have made Americans um, lose $4,200 uh, or they're $4,200 poor. Um, but my question is, so as we get ready to go into midterms, obviously, there's a lot of um, hope that we can stop this runaway train, if you will, between um, the Democrats having the House and the executive branch or, or, or the White House, if you will. If you all, the Republicans, um, first of all, I want to ask you, sorry, first of all, let's talk about the recession and inflation right now. Where are you guys on these um, bills that passed the Inflation Reduction Act, I know it was had money in there for ports, and that was great infrastructure. But there was a lot in there, too, that was not good. It's not reducing inflation. Tell yeah. me what your thoughts are on this, because I think the American people are like, what is happening here? Yeah, Some, sometimes you have members of Congress who are afraid to vote no if there's one little good thing in a bill. And, you know, I have to look at the overall context of it and say, is this good for the, <laughs> is this good for America? And, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, first of all, didn't reduce inflation at all. It had nothing to do with the economy, aside from there was a lot of money involved. Uh, and if anything, it helped drive inflation up because of all the money that we're spending. But it was really a Green New Deal bill uh, that was going to be funded in part by hiring 87,000 new IRS agents to go after the American people. And, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it, it was just... It, you know, I don't think the American people have really fallen for that as well. It's one of those things that really just let let you see where the policymakers are right now and what their agenda is, because it was so easy to pull back the veil on that and say, this is really not what they're purporting it to be. And, uh, you know, we've got to bring spending under control. Anytime you're spending, you know, massive amounts, hundreds of billions of dollars or a trillion dollars, you're always going to find something that's good in it. But that doesn't mean it's a good bill. Uh, and, and so we've got to get back to having 
you know, bills that are designed, that are debated, uh, you know, that, that ideally you'd have a single subject bill, but if you can't have that, have a much, much more streamlined bill that's actually been through a discussion, that's been through an amendment process, that's gotten some input, that's, you know, been vetted a little bit before it comes to the House floor. Correct. Let's take a quick break, uh, Congressman Clapp. When we return, I want to get back on that. Is why are things being passed in the middle of the night, these huge bills? And then what happens after midterms uh, if mm. the Republicans should regain the House? What are the plans and how are we going to reverse some of these poor energy policies? So let's take a quick break. You're listening to Annual Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Congressman Cloud of the 27th District. Uh, Congressman Cloud, we've talked a lot about energy. Uh, we've talked about the Biden administration and their policies. Uh, we have midterms around the corner. Um, and I think that a lot of the American people, uh, I am one of them that hopes that um, this evens out in the way of that the Republicans take back the House to kind of level out a lot of these policies that are coming mm-hmm. out of DC that are making no sense. Um, first, you were talking about um, these big policies that are getting through without really having meaningful discussion. There, there was a time where members could get on the house floor and really talk mm. these things through. And that seems to, uh, that's gone. It, it's been years ago since an amendment was offered on the house floor for a bill. Uh, it's, it's been before I was in Congress. So, uh, it's been a while. Yes. Yeah. I don't even, I think pe- people listening will remember, Oh yeah, I remember that it, it's not like that anymore. So we right. have inflation, we have a recession, we have uh, oil and gas policies that have been put in place. And I realize that uh, we're, you know, President Biden will be in office for another two years, but taking back the House can, can kind of slow some of this stuff down, reverse some of these policies. Please explain to us, the listeners, what is the Republicans' plan if we take back the House or y'all take back the House? How are we going to get are we going to get back on the path? Because Republicans have been known for not being so strong, not you, sir, but not being so strong and getting out there and, you know, pushing through some bad policies and reversing them. Is that the, what are you hearing in the halls? of Congress? Yeah, well, I can say my, my concern has always been not that we just don't win back the majority, which is extremely important. Uh, the country's bleeding in a lot of different levels and we, we, we need to stop the bleeding at, at a minimum. Um, and winning the House majority will kind of get rid of this uh, one-party rule. And it's not just that it's one-party rule, it's that where that party has gone in the extreme of embracing Marxism and some very extreme political ideologies. Um, you that because you won't find a lot of congressmen that will say that, but thank you for saying that because that's what I see. Right, right. And, and it's not what you see in your local communities a lot where it's your friendly neighborhood, 
you know, whatever the other side of the aisle from you are, you know, where you kind of want the same thing for your family and communities where, you know, I talk a lot of times how a generation ago, the difference between the right and left was kind of like, what's the role of government in getting to this shared space we wanted, uh, where now you have a, a completely different view of is America a force for good in the world? Uh, and you have people in Congress saying that it's a force for evil and trying to indoctrinate our kids into that kind of belief. And, you know, so that's, that's, that's the kind of ideology that you, you really kind of got to stand against. And, you know, so some of that extreme stuff will be able to at least stop funding. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm concerned about is kind of what you mentioned, some of the process stuff that doesn't get a lot of national attention. It's not buzz buzzworthy in a sense, but you know, what our rules package is going to look like is going to define the how of how things get done. And, you know, we'll talk one that one of the things that people don't realize is the first you know week in Congress, the very first things we do, we vote for leadership and then we vote for what the House rules are. And then every week the rules committee meets and basically says, we're going to ignore what the rules of the House are. And these are going to be the rules for this bill. Uh, and and, uh, you know, even even the House rules. Yeah. So it's like, here's the House rules, but we're going to throw them out every week and, and ignore that. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> right. Why even have the house rules at that point? Um, but even things like, you know, we're supposed to get three days to read a bill. Uh, and even by what they mean, three days is like three calendar days. So they may release it at 1150 at night. And that's day one, the 10 minutes you got that day. <laughs> and, you know, then you'll have the next day to read it and you're voting on it the next morning. So that three days is really maybe 30 hours sometimes. Uh, but even then, then the rules committee will meet and say, well, for this bill, one of the things Nancy Pelosi did uh, with uh, allegedly under COVID restrictions, which she had what was what's been called same day authority uh, to where, you know, we'll just propose a bill, uh, introduce it on the floor, same day uh, and vote on it. And, you know, so these bills are coming to the House floor, not having gone through the committee, any committee, not having any sort of debate. A lot of this stuff has been happening that way. Uh, and you know, it, it does a disservice to the American people. So obviously the house flipping will help fix some of those systemic things. I'm still looking and working with, uh, you know, other Republican members up there to try to get what would be a good rules package that would help us to just fix how DC works. Uh, one of the best we can do is to fix how the place works. We can't expect to run it the same way and expect expect different results we, we've got to fix how the place functions as well so that's one of the big big things that i've been spending some time on that you, you know you'll never see because again it's, it's kind of wonky doesn't get a lot of buzz it's so uh, important though if you can't fix that you can't fix anything else it, it, it's very that, important that, so true so true and, and then obviously you know be able to put forward some sound policy you know we're we're be looking to kind of rein in that 87,000 IRS agents that that got hired or that got funded to be hired uh, doing some other things to really cut back on this crazy spending you know all this stuff that's gone into this green new initiative uh with really sketchy science to back it and, and again it's about control of a of of an, an economy more than it is about any sort of climate objectives regardless of what they say when you look at what's going on and what they're advocating for and what they're allowing you know when we cut energy production here in the united states it's not other countries aren't following suit they're just finding other ways to get oil and gas uh, which is is from countries who are doing it worse than us um and and so we'll begin to be able to push on those policies. And, you know, one of the things I'm on an oversight uh, on the oversight committee and just being able to bring light to some of the processes that are going on and the fact that permits aren't being, uh, you know, uh, allowed 
and those kind of things. So being able to bring sunlight to a lot of these sorts of things, you know, obviously the White House is still going to have a veto. And, and so that'll be something we have to contend with. But certainly we'll be able to, to stop a lot of the frivolous, horrible spending. Uh, we'll be able to hopefully hold the line on some important issues when it comes to. I keep saying, let's stop giving let's stop giving the government money to do bad things. You know, and as, as, as long as we have a border that's open, I don't know why we continue to give that department money if they're not going to use the money we give them to do what we were telling them to do with it. You know, and, and so things like that. So, you know, we, we need to hold the line on, on how the money's being used. The American people's money is being used, uh, bring some oversight. And uh, obviously we'll be able to stop some of the more egregious, ridiculous things that we've seen over the last couple of years. Well, I, 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 we are hoping in November that it gets evened out because it's been a wild two ride, a two year ride. Um, yeah. And I, I realize that um, uh, the man who you got to catch a ride to Washington, D.C., uh, President Trump, will be uh, in Robstown. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be visiting with him. Any, any chance you can give us, what do you think his number one message is going to be? Might be border, and we didn't get around <laughs> to thinking about that. But I, I'm sure. We will have a lot to do with it. I know a couple of the people who will be speaking uh, with us will, will be, you know, Tom Holman, Brandon Judd, experts on what's going down. We've been down, I was at the border last week, uh, looking again at what's going on and getting more intel into what's happening. Uh, it, it's just atrocious what they've got. I'm sure that will be an important topic. Uh, and then I'm sure he'll probably get around to talking about making America great again. <laughs> just, you know, as I slogan is let's save America, save America. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, it, it's exciting to know that he's coming to town. It's all just happened, uh, I guess, over this weekend, but it'll be good to see him here. Very good. Well, Congressman Cloud, thank you for joining us today on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We look forward to having you come back on the show in the future. Well, thank you. God bless you. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.